0: Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Blue wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History free Tie game with 5 seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on?
1: Uh, not really. On and to left. And it's
0: good. Tie game. Gambling gods Fickle bunch. Oh yeah, so easily offended. Oh.
1: Oh, Gambler's not your problem. You're just an idiot.
0: And we welcome you into Full Slate, a Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. My name is Greg Frank at Undercover Greg on Gambling Twitter. His name is Alex Uplinger at Alex underscore Up Seven. NFL Week 14 is upon us. Alex Uplinger, did you spend either of the last two days? Learning an NFL playbook on an airplane or negotiating a prisoner trade.
1: <laughs> I did not. I did not do either of those things. Both <laughs> uh, highly impressive. I I think Baker's final drive was arguably more impressive.
0: I was gonna say. I wonder if these politicians, if they can do like a prisoner to be named later, or you know, uh, you know. Uh,
1: you like casting con- considerations. considerations yeah exactly yeah.
0: future considerations you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: yeah if we need if we need a guy down the road in 5 years yeah,
0: exactly
1: <laughs> player to be named prisoner well, to know, be what's named.
0: what's the prisoner salary cap like these days you know are we uh, cap compliant here in america <laughs> <laughs> anyway um without further ado yeah pretty impressive comeback from baker and you know i i, I do wonder a little bit about not just the rest of this season, but with Stafford's health problems, I'll be honest, like it did coming into the year when he you heard about the elbow stuff and how he might need Tommy John. That all felt like stuff that could linger. And I just wonder if it's not stuff that maybe results in his career ending. And maybe if Baker stays on with the Rams, I mean, it wouldn't shock me. I mean, I don't think he's any good, but he certainly made an excellent first impression, and he's going to get the rest of the season to prove himself.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I assume they're gonna shut Stafford down for this season for sure. Uh, just that contract is looming. I mean, there's still there's still three more right, years right. after this, or maybe four, uh, at huge huge cap numbers. So, like, I don't I don't know what you would do. Would he consider retiring? I don't know. He's gonna be 35 next season. That's not it's not impossible for a quarterback. But yeah, the but Green health stuff. Very concerning, but like, are you, you going know, to want to?
0: If you're the Rams, do you want your quarterback room next year to be what it was to start this year? Like, you probably don't.
1: No, but I, I mean, just going back a couple weeks ago, Baker was the worst quarterback in the NFL. You yeah, know, yeah, no, one solid true. game. Like, I mean, he's going to shit the bed in the next two weeks, and then we'll be we'll be off him again.
0: Yeah, uh, that's well said. Well. Um, let's move on and get to the games on Sunday. We'll move in rotation order with the exception of the Sunday night game, which uh, is still higher up in the rotation uh, due to flex scheduling. Uh, So we like to end with the prime times, but let's begin with the Minnesota Vikings rotation number 105 traveling to the motor city for a divisional game against the Detroit lions where the lions, the five and seven lions, that is, are a two point favorite against the 10 and two Vikings, a total of 51 and a half, And Alex, we've had a few games like this in the past where you look at the straight up records and Ozmakers. I wonder if they they don't even care about those and who can blame them when it's a team like Minnesota, who, as you mentioned before, we jumped on the air, uh, let the Jets go down the field time and time again last year, only to have the Jets come up with field goal after field goal. Excuse me, last week. Uh, But the Jets come up with field goal after field goal and the Vikings survive uh, another close game. Uh, we've seen the Vikings get slaughtered in their two losses by, Detroit, excuse me, by Dallas and Philadelphia. And I, I just think, honestly, right now, we've been giving out the Lions quite a bit here on this pod. I had them on the road against the Bears. I had them on the road against the Giants. Um, you know, I think we were both on them last week in what was a nice Jags letdown spot uh, with the Jags going to Detroit off that Jags win in Baltimore. So we've been riding the Lions train for quite a bit now. And, Again, I, I think a lot of what I've said about the Lions in their locker room is something you want to bet on. It's a team that has played itself into, albeit very faint, playoff hopes at 5-7. and seven. Uh, They're at least popping up on the In the Hunt graphic on your televisions now, and I think that There's, again, an up arrow with Detroit. We mentioned all the close games that the Vikings have won. One of them was at home against the Detroit Lions, in which the Lions, I think, had a two-score lead at one point in the fourth quarter in that game, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, if you haven't caught my drift by now, I'm going to lay the deuce with the Lions. Uh, I just think that sooner or later, the Vikings are going to lose a close game, and you're telling me that it's a divisional road game for Minnesota against a team that's trending in the right direction, and I only have to give up inside of three with the home team, uh, I'll do it. So I'm on the Motor City Kitties yet again.
1: Absolutely. This would not be the week that we're going to get off the Lions. I mean We've been doing it time and time again. This is like our uh, Texans of last year. We just keep okay. going back. Granted, I love them in the underdog role. But, you know, this is such a short line, open plus one now they're one and a half to two point favorites oh, I saw this tick up. Dog, huh? yeah i saw this tick up to two and a half uh either yesterday or the day before so you know the line's kind of moving back and forth a bit here and there i'm comfortable with this anything under a field goal i did take the plus one earlier in the week i don't think that's gonna matter at all i would definitely still play this like we've been saying time and time again, Minnesota just one of the flukier, luckier teams. Granted, you can only beat who's on your schedule. I know they beat the Bills, who we all think is a really good team. That was one of the more flukier wins you'll ever see.
0: Just in terms yeah, you know, of. Let's put it like this The Vikings are a decent team, but I think a lot of people would still put them fourth in the NFC pecking order behind the Eagles, Cowboys, and 49ers, right?
1: Oh, no question. Yeah. I mean, this this Vikings team could easily, you know, have like six or seven wins and not a uh, ton. I mean, this just, it's a very lucky team. They're winning games, very close games, a lot of one possession games. Last week, they probably shouldn't have won or covered the three. I saw lines are 13th in overall DVOA, and then the Vikings are 20th. And in terms of DVOA, the Lions are better ranked in offense, defense, and special teams. They're just the better team in every facet of the game, and they're just the hottest team in football right now. Dude. There's absolutely no reason to turn away. Biggest concern, you know, Kirk Cousins. I saw someone call him the new nightmare. So you know, 1 p.m. It's, East Coast, the new. I like that. The new nightmare. But I, I saw he's 3-9-1 uh, against the spread in toss-up road games, which are when the spread is, you know, plus 3 to minus 3, which is oh, basically sure. when the game covers. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think the lines are a great spot here, especially at home. Love this at home. We love golf at home in the, the comfy confines of the dome. Just plays way better. He looks great. They have all the weapons in the world, and the defense has actually been playing pretty well recently. And the Vikings defense just—they don't scare anyone. This could be a track meet. I could look to the over as well, but you know we know those divisional games have been going under so far this season. So I'll probably stay away from the total, but yeah, I love the lines in this spot.
0: Divisional games galore on the Week 14 card as we'll go from the NFC North to the AFC East, where the New York Jets make the trip westward to take on the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo land a big number at 10 at home, total of 43. Buffalo was some extra time to prepare off that Thursday night victory in Foxborough against the New England Patriots. The Jets, as we alluded to, uh, a tough loss in Minneapolis against the Vikings in Week 13. Uh, not much of a feel for me on this one, Alex. On one hand, you can argue revenge angle for the Bills, who were a double-digit favorite at MetLife Stadium and lost to the Zach Wilson quarterback Jets. I might add earlier this season. Uh, so that would make me think, uh, certainly a uh, you know the Bills are going to be looking for margin here to make a bit of a statement. Uh, however, I think we saw, we saw the news this week. Now Von Miller going to be shut down for the year. Of course, he still would have been on IR under the original plan anyway, so he wasn't going to play in this game. But we did see that Lions offense, which has been pretty good most of the year, put up some points against the Bills on Thanksgiving. And we know that the Jets have been a functional offense under Mike White, which makes me think at this pretty penny of a price range at ten. Perhaps the back door is still open for gang green. Uh, so I am leery of laying the lumber, despite the fact that it is a nice revenge spot for the bills. I'll pass the game.
1: I'm with you. It's it's tough to lay double digits in the NFL against really anyone.
0: I Particularly think Jets, at division games.
1: Absolutely. I mean, if this is in New York, you're obviously not going to get the 10, but you would love home divisional dog being in buffalo is a bit concerning if anything i would look to the total i'd look under love divisional unders they're 36 22 and one on the season after several hit last week and i think there's seven divisional games this week i like a lot of those unders i saw the under is five and two in bills versus jets In the last seven meetings, dating back to 2019, this feels like another under game. I know those totals in the 40s are kind of scary, but like we saw tonight, and Raiders-Rams absolutely did not matter. You know, these super low totals are still going. I don't know. The quarterback play is down. Even with, you know, a terrible Raiders defense, they still – couldn't get over the total. Neither team could really score. I, I could see something similar. These are both two of the stronger defenses in the NFL. You know, the Allen injury is certainly something to factor in.
0: Well, Okay, this, and that's a good point. I think that might also speak to the under. Maybe do the Bills down the stretch become a bit of an under team? They went under pretty easily in Thursday Night Football last week against the Patriots. And I guess the point I'm making is I know it was New England. We know the Patriots offense has had plenty of trials and tribulations, and you don't have to score a lot to beat the Patriots most weeks. Um, But was that a sign of Buffalo saying, you know what, we need to run the ball more? We saw a total of 27 carries between James Cook and Devin Singletary. We know that Buffalo doesn't usually use its running backs a lot. James Cook also had six catches in that game. So there was a lot of short passes is it kind of a uh, load management almost on Josh Allen where they know he's only going to be at 80, 85% with that elbow. So they want to try and find other ways to move the ball, which means short passing game, running game, which means fewer big plays, longer drives, more unders. Like, I, I think that could be a thing with the bills.
1: It certainly feels that way, right? Yeah. You mentioned they they've been running the ball a lot more in the past couple weeks. I don't know if that's, in terms of just, you know, having some leads or playing in close games, trying to run the clock and keep the game close, or if that is indicative of Josh Allen, you know, the injury impacting him some. And I think they found something with with James Cook against the Patriots defense. That's usually pretty stout against the run. He had 14 attempts for 64 yards. He mentioned the six receptions for 41 yards. So, yeah, a lot of shorter passes, running the ball a ton. And James Cook has been pretty effective. I think they'll definitely lean on that as well. And then in terms of the Jets, I don't I don't know how much they can trust Mike White. Obviously, he's looked better, but they're still going to try to run the ball a ton and ultimately lean on that defense. So I, I think the under is a great spot here.
0: Okay, let's go to the AFC North in a... Rivalry that I believe is the best in the National Football League with just how balanced it seems like this matchup is almost every single year between the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers. As we are seeing Pittsburgh now uh, with the absence of Lamar Jackson this week from the lineup for Baltimore, Pittsburgh, a short home favorite of two points and a total of 37. Alex, I think we talked about this a little bit about how well the schedule kind of opens up a little bit in for the Steelers with that Monday night win in Indianapolis. They went in Atlanta last week. Now they're getting the Ravens without Lamar Jackson. Even before Lamar got hurt, we were saying, well, they play the Raiders. I think there's a Panthers game left. They still have the Browns. And the whole point was, well, they might not make the playoffs, but Mike Tomlin might be able to avoid his first losing season as Steelers head coach, which uh, for a guy like Tomlin, who I, I think we, we always talk about how good of a motivator he is, great underdog coach. Um, I think that's absolutely something that is probably on his mind down the stretch here as the Steelers look to get to six and seven and really, again, uh, give themselves a chance to finish with nine wins. Uh, and you have a Ravens team that again is without Lamar Jackson. And I think relative to other backups, you can do a lot worse than Tyler Huntley. Um, but I think the Steelers are turning a bit of a corner here. And I think we're seeing not only them get healthier on defense, but, I think we're seeing a little bit of a formula as to how they want to play offensively where um, they kind of – I call it Jimmy Garoppolo games where you kind of just have your quarterback in that 200 passing yards area, throw the ball between 25 and 30 times and not turn it over and kind of trust that Kenny Pickett can hand the ball off to Najee Harris, throw short passes to Pat fryer over the middle – uh, Deontay Johnson and George Pickens and just move the sticks and, and do enough to where you look up. And what have we seen the Steelers the last couple of weeks? 1913, I think it was, against Atlanta last week and uh, low scoring win in Indianapolis on Monday Night Football. So I think that's kind of their path here. Um, and, and I think the Ravens, to an extent, maybe have to do that, too, uh, without Lamar Jackson. Even with Lamar, they haven't been an offensive juggernaut this year. So I think that explains the total of 37. Uh, But you're on the Steelers, so uh, I imagine you share some of those sentiments that I was talking about, about how this is a team that, down the stretch, is going to keep playing hard, whether they find a way to get all the way back into the wild-card mix or not in the AFC, right?
1: Yeah, certainly. This isn't a team that will quit. I I just don't think Mike Tomlin will allow it. guy is way too fired up. No fucking chance he lets a team quit. I love the Steers on the spot. I did grab the Steers early in the week. They were uh, short underdogs. I guess that was before the Lamar news was official. I it
0: makes me wonder why books even hang there. that number, but I guess that's, cause right, it uh, almost okay. feels like Pittsburgh plus one, plus two, is just a, a complete like in-between where if Lamar was playing, the number would be bigger in Baltimore's favor, and now that he's not playing, Pittsburgh's a favorite.
1: Right. Why even lay that? But like why even
0: hang Baltimore? Money? Yeah.
1: No, you're right. Because if Lamar's playing, this is more like three, three and a half. Um, pretty much every game in this, you know, this rivalry always falls around three points. There's never any blowout, so That's I would not point. fall.
0: As much as we like the Steelers, I know you said before we jumped on the Ravens are a great teaser leg.
1: Yeah, it's not really something I do personally, but. I wouldn't fault anyone for getting Ravens over up eight. I think that's probably one of the best teaser legs out there this week. I think that's a great look. You get them over to the seven. I mean, none of these games end in blowouts like that, like over a touchdown, and you're getting eight points in your favor. But, yeah, I love the Sears in this spot. I'm a little concerned. Huntley, you know, not a lot of tape on him. Kind of tougher to game plan. Arguably, he played what
0: three or four games last year.
1: Yeah, and they did face him, they faced him last year. Sears have also won four straight against Baltimore. But I love that this is a home game coming off two road wins, going back home. You know, this is a massive game for just division and in terms of, yeah, to not have a losing season. TJ Watt settling back in. I saw a wild stat. The Steelers with TJ Watt are 55, 25, and two straight up. And then without Watt, they're one in 10 straight up. That just speaks to how much impact wow. he really has. I mean, the, the defense goes as he goes. His his pressure makes everyone better. Everyone knows the secondary scores. Alex, and- we,
0: we talk about Tomlin as the motivator. I think there's got to be some of that, too, with, like, a healthy TJ Watt back in there where it just kind of uplifts the locker room, right?
1: Yeah. Right. He's, he's absolutely the heart and soul of that defense. They go as he goes. I mean, the secondary is not great outside of Minka. So him getting pressure, wreaking havoc just makes everyone so much better. Yeah. I like the Steelers in the spot.
0: And also to your point. Yeah, you're right. Like that's been the Achilles heel for the Steelers has been the secondary, but Do we really expect the Ravens with their bad wideouts and a backup quarterback to be able to exploit that?
1: Yeah, can they? I I don't think so. I mean, Mark Andrews back, but still a little banged up. And then Huntley's not chucking the ball all over the field. This is definitely going to be a run-heavy attack. I mean, this couldn't be a, a better matchup for the Steelers in terms of personnel. I mean, the Ravens wide receivers might be the worst unit in the NFL and this would also put me to the under. I know it's terrifying. I think it's down to like 36.
0: 37, yeah.
1: Yeah, which is so fucking scary, but I I just don't see where the points are coming from. This has, you know, seven. Like this could be
0: like 13-10 and like an easy under. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, like, like this is not getting over 30 points. There's there's just absolutely no chance. I mean, unless you get some fluky turnovers, some short fields, but even then Special I don't know still. how these teams are, are scoring touchdowns.
0: Yeah. All right. Let's go to MetLife Stadium where there's another intriguing divisional game between the Philadelphia Eagles and the New York football Giants. The Giants catching seven at home, total of 44 and a half. Eagles coming off of what I believe was their most impressive win of the year last week, slaughtering the Titans 35-10. And it looks like getting John Robinson fired in the process. Um and the Giants, on the other hand, coming off of a tie, which I think for the Giants is probably a disappointing result last week against the Commanders. Give Jahan Dotson credit. That was a real nice catch and run to get the game tied at the end of regulation. But the Giants won the coin toss. So, you know, usually when you win the coin toss, if the overtime is to go the full 10 minutes, you're going to be able to possess the ball twice. How um, that about was- that game going under? Yeah. What under was it, 40 40 in the- yeah, 40 in the hook. It lands 40. The whole yeah.
1: overtime period. I mean, right. un fucking There you go, with another year.
0: divisional under. Yep.
1: That's, so, I mean, that was a shocking one.
0: But, Alex, I do think that this is an example, and we see this all the time in the NFL, of the best teams, particularly late in the year, just getting getting expensive. And you, the Eagles, I will remind you now, the Eagles are a lot better this year than they were last year, but they did lose uh, against the Giants at MetLife Stadium last year. And I feel that seven points on the road in a division game against the resurgent Giants team uh, this year, which just you know, and now again, the Giants need to kind of dot the I's and cross the T's on their playoff berth. It, it is not locked, signed, sealed, and delivered. Uh, but as I said, they won last year against the Eagles at home. So they can lean on that a little bit here. Uh, Philly did a good job defending the run against Derrick Henry. Uh, but they're going to have to do it again against likely Saquon Barkley, although I saw he popped up on the injury report today as we record on a Thursday. So keep an eye on that. Uh, but if you haven't caught my drift, I, I think the only way you can look is to take the seven with the Giants at home. I mean, I, I think at this stage in the year, if you're going to get a touchdown with a team that would be in the playoffs, uh, this as I said, this late in the year at home, you should probably just take it. So I, I think this is just an example of, a bit of a point spread tax being applied to the Eagles. And it is worth noting that prior to the victory against the uh, Titans, which was wildly impressive for Philly, narrow cover, I think, by the hook against Green Bay, winning by seven. I think that closed six and a half. And uh, nearly an outright loss of seven-point dogs against the Indianapolis Colts. So I think the Giants can cover this number. I wouldn't hate a little sprinkle on the money line. I could see it going down to the wire. And if you want to have that big plus ticket in your back pocket, uh, it can't hurt. But I, I do think the Giants plus a seven uh, is the side here.
1: I'm with you. I haven't played anything yet, but that's certainly the only way I would look. Giants are one of the best underdog teams this season. That's right, They're underdog seven one. Yeah, I love Dane Dimes as a dog. Seven and one against the spread as a dog this year. I'm going to look to the under. I think this game really leans the under. I know Jalen Hurts is five and eleven against the spread on the road. Uh, Just this team plays way different at home. They look just like a completely different team at home than they do on the road. And just a massive, massive game for you know playoffs divisions. I mentioned divisional unders or. 36 22 and one and then giants home unders are 17 in their last 19 games you know the giants are gonna have to keep this close they're gonna have to run the ball ton.
0: yeah i was gonna say i also think this correlates where if you like the giants you probably do like it under because as you said the giants are gonna try and keep this close by running it and the giants just don't have the weapons the eagles have so if you think the game is close that probably means fewer points
1: Right, they're not going to be able to keep up and attract me. So I think if you like, if you like getting a touchdown with the home divisional dog, which yeah, that's the way I lean as well. Then you got to look to the under also.
0: All right, I want to get to one of my favorite sides of the week, and that's in the battle for Ohio, where we have the Cleveland Browns traveling to Southwest Ohio to take on the Bengals. We're seeing Cincinnati laying five in the hook, total of forty-six. Alex, I'm all over the Bengals here. Situationally, the Bengals are just checking too many boxes for me to say no. First off, on a uh, career scale here for Joe Burrow, we know he's an Ohio guy, grew up in Ohio, started his college career at Ohio State, and gets drafted number one over all of the Bengals. Did you know that Joe Burrow has not won a game against the Browns straight up in his career yet?
1: I actually did know that. I, I had heard that, and I made note of that, which is shocking. I saw 0-4 straight up and 2-2 two and two against the spread. So, yeah, this, this has to be certainly on his bucket list, right? Get that first win
0: right, against exactly. Cleveland. And you mentioned 2-2 two two against the spread. There were some close games prior to the Browns, the Bengals' Super Bowl run, excuse me, that the Bengals were the dogs in, and he was able to backdoor, I think, both of them. Uh, but 0-4. Uh, straight up, I think 0-5. Yeah, 0-5 because it was 0-2, 0-2, and then they lost the first one this year. So um, 0-5 straight up uh, against the uh, Browns. Uh, Actually, you know what? He might have missed a game in there, but regardless, he hasn't beaten the... uh, So you might be right about 0-4, but regardless, he hasn't beaten the Browns straight up. Um, And then, so you have that part of it for Burrow in his career, but then I also think... Think back to Halloween, or excuse me, I think it was, might have been the week before. No, it was Halloween. Uh, Monday night football game in Cleveland, where the Bengals play their worst game of the season. 32-13, to 13, the Browns beat the Bengals, and Cincinnati just lays an egg. And what have the Bengals, or excuse me, what have the Bengals done since then? Yeah, Bengals. Since then, Cincinnati, 4-0 straight up, 4-0 against the spread, clobbered the Panthers, won by a touchdown on the road against Pittsburgh one is short dogs on the road against Tennessee and one is short dogs at home against Kansas city. So they've really responded well since that game against the Browns on Monday night football. And so not only do we think that, you know, Burrow is out for blood here to get his first win against the Browns, but the whole team should be because they've won four in a row and they should think back to the last time they lost when they laid a complete clunker on national television against the Browns. So, I like that kind of situational setup here for the Bengals getting the team that they last lost to on national TV in convincing fashion. And lastly, we saw it last week. Deshaun Watson just does not look like an NFL quarterback, and that's not a surprise. It was his first game back. Um, But you're telling me if they can win at home by three against the Kansas City Chiefs and Pat Mahomes, why can't they win at home by six against Deshaun Watson and the Browns? That's what I need him to do, laying five in the hook. I'll take the Bengals, minus the points.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. You, you convinced me. Not to mention how huge this game is for the division. They're tied with the Ravens up there at the top. And you think with Lamar out for a couple of weeks, they got got to put some distance between them and the Ravens, try to win this division. So that's massive. I think this is another good under look. I know it's really fucking lame to just keep saying take the unders, but another another divisional game and one in terms of just a Cleveland offense I don't trust at all. You know, if this is Jacoby, I might consider taking the Browns here, but just with how lifeless Deshaun looked, I mean, he's fucking awful. Still somehow managed to cover that game. That was that was absolutely shocking. Didn't have an offensive score and they still still cover that number against the Texans. I think that speaks to how bad Houston is and just how they've quit. But in terms of this game, yeah, I think the only side to look here is the Bengals. I really like this. You mentioned how good they've been doing and just overall, they're seventeen and three against the spread in their last twenty games. They're just one of the best teams in football. That was a very convincing win against the Chiefs. I know it wasn't a and blowout I, I, in terms of score, but.
0: did not play in that Monday night game that I talked about where Cleveland killed him.
1: That's a great point as well. That was uh Jamar Chase is I don't know, mixing status, but does it really matter with how good P Ryan has looked? Yeah, I don't they even know. The well. Yeah, they, they looked great on the ground and then, you know, just Joe Burrow is This is a fucking guy. It's really tough to bet against him right now. Yeah, I think this is a bit too short. You just need the Bengals by six at home. I'm with it.
0: Yeah, that's what I mean. Be three points better at home against the Browns than you were against the Chiefs.
1: Yeah. It's not rocket science. That one seems pretty easy to me as well.
0: All right, let's go to a less appealing division game in Nashville where the Titans, in the first game post john robinson firing i don't know if the fire up the team after the gm gets fired works the same after the coach gets fired but nonetheless the titans are laying four against the jags of course trevor lawrence has been uh held out of practice the first couple weeks with that injury uh to i think it's his knee or leg like where lower body it's a toe Oh toe, toe. Okay, for, I was gonna just go with the NHL thing and just go lower body. Lower body,
1: body yeah, just all encompassing, anything yeah. below the waist. Yeah.
0: Um, but regardless, uh, Lawrence uh, has not been practicing this week. Uh, the Jags, you know, they it felt like, and and we were obviously all over the Lions last week against Jacksonville because it kind of felt like that was their moment two weeks ago against Baltimore, uh, the way they won that game. Uh. But you made a good point about how uh, the Jags defense, the way you attack them, is through the air and exploiting their secondary. And Traylon Burks got lit up pretty good last week in the end zone in Philly when he scored. And obviously, we know A.J. Brown is no longer a Titan, and they just haven't been able to really beat teams through the air, um, which makes it hard to lay over a field goal with the Titans against almost anybody. Uh, total is 41. Uh, honestly, that might be a that might be worth betting on the hunch that Lawrence is limited and that you know the Jags offense just tries to manage the game and just get him through it healthy. If he does play, it might be worth you know a, again broken record, but a divisional under there. I I don't know. I, I don't really like much about this game. I'll pass it.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna ultimately have to pass as well. The Lawrence questions are a bit too concerning. Initially I was looking at the Jags, but just the uncertainty of him. I'm not gonna bet on CJ Bethard. I mean just no fucking chance. And then Vrabel and Tannehill, they they own the AFC South, twelve and six against the spread in the, against the AFC South when they're both, you know, playing and coaching. I saw that's the, the third most profitable duo versus divisional opponents since two thousand nineteen. Kinda interesting. Just how good they're I mean the South has been kinda down, so I guess don't put too much stock into that, but I'm certainly not betting on the, the Jags. But yeah, I I would probably look to the to the under as well. This Jags defense their strength is really Against the run. They're terrible against the pass like we saw last week. The Lions just absolutely fucking shredded them, but you know, this, this is the perfect matchup for them. I don't think the Titans can really beat anyone throwing the ball around. Burks didn't practice today with a concussion. That's a huge concern. I, I really don't know any of their other weapons that can really exploit you. Maybe, you know, Westbrook, some, but yeah, I, I would not trust the the Titans here over
0: a, a field goal. This is definitely a pass for me as well. Okay. Let's wrap up with the final noon central one Eastern game. Uh, and uh, if Tennessee Jacksonville wasn't corner TV at the bar, then hey, there's a reason we have multiple corners at bars because the Houston Texans traveled to Dallas as it's the biggest point spread of the season in the national football league, Dallas laying 17 in the hook total of 44 our guy, Davis Mills, returning to action for the Texans. Only way you can look if you're betting this point spread. I mean, we're just never going to advise laying this hefty of a lumber. Uh, so, uh, I don't know, though. The Texans are. <laughs> There's like nothing
1: to, nothing you can fucking say here.
0: It I can't really- even talk
1: myself into it. And it's, you know, a three, three score spread. And I can't even talk myself into it. I know we're the biggest proponents of Mills Mafia, but. You saw last week against the Colts, a couple turnovers, defensive touchdowns, and shit just gets way fucking out of hand. But you certainly can't you bet Dallas? on that. No, no, with the uh, – I meant the Cowboys against oh, the Colts. Oh, Dallas, right. Just, you know, in terms of yeah, the
0: coverage The Cleveland ever, and but, Houston game had defensive touchdowns and turnovers too.
1: Yeah, different. Same, same, but different. Just you can't bet on a team expecting them to to replicate something like that, but I easily could see it going that way. I'll just I'll just do the safe thing and not play anything in this and not watch it for a fucking second. Just hope you know C. D. Lamb gets me some fantasy points and that's that's about it. I won't even turn this on.
0: All right, well, a uh, another game that I I don't know how much of it I want to watch, although may, maybe it's an interesting game. The Carolina Panthers traveling to Pacific Northwest to take on the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle laying four on the hook. Total of 44 as we get started on the late window of games here. Alex, I don't know here. I mean, we have Carolina coming out of a bye. You have Seattle that I I think is becoming kind of hard to trust in this kind of short favorite role. I mean, we saw Seattle lose outright as nearly a touchdown favorite against the Raiders. We saw them fail to cover. Last week on the road as a uh, touchdown chalk against the Rams. Now they're laying for the hook against the Panther team coming out of a buy that has at least shown some competitive spirit for Steve Wilks. I don't think it'll be enough for Steve Wilks to retain that head coaching job into 2023. Um, but it is is four for the hook. So those other games I was talking about were, you know, actually I think the Raider game was only three, three and a half. So I should correct myself there. Um, but we did see a touchdown uh, line in favor of Seattle last week against the Rams. It it, it just – they're one of those teams where they've overachieved and now they're – you never would have thought they'd be laying points in December in these games, but that's what they're doing. And it's just a different role for them from a gambling standpoint that I don't want to trust with Seattle. Carolina, Dante Foreman's been dinged up. We'll see. If he's able to go, that's just been kind of the bread and butter of their offense. has been trying to pound the rock, and they do have a pretty good defense. At least they got some players on that side of the ball. Uh, I think I'll probably pass this game. I don't think Seattle blows out Carolina here, but I could still see the Seahawks covering. So I'm not going to take anything.
1: Yeah, I don't blame you. I think the the only way I would look here is the Panthers. This is a... Very low total for a Seattle game. I mean, they have been playing decently. You mentioned those games. They, they beat the Rams. They didn't cover. They, you know, lost to the Raiders, which looks way, way worse now than it did, you know, last week. I This is a complete stay away game for sure. But it, it would be Panthers or pass for me.
0: Yeah, I'd probably agree. Uh, if I had to play a side, I'd probably take the it's Panthers. Like, can
1: but you I, can you trust Darnold on the road in right. Seattle? Probably not, but can you trust the Seahawks to win by any sort of margin right now? I feel like they're just they're coming back to you know, the team we kinda expected. We expected them to be dog shit. They got off to a really hot start, they were really solid. And now they're just now okay. they're just trying
0: to hang on for dear life and get in the playoffs.
1: Exactly. I mean, massive game for playoff implications. So it does have some intrigue. I just I don't really want to bet it.
0: All right. Let's stay in the NFC West where the San Francisco 49ers host Tom Brady's Buccaneers as the uh, veteran quarterback makes his homecoming to the Bay Area as a three and a half point underdog total of just, wow, 37 Uh, In this game, I guess it makes sense given how anemic Tampa's been offensively, how good the 49er defense has been, and now Brock Purdy starting for the 49ers. But Alex, I love the Niners here because uh, first off, it's a good fade Tampa spot situationally. They're coming off of a Monday night football emotional win come from behind against a division rival. Brady turns back the clock. Now you're talking about cross-country travel on a short week. Love all that from a fade perspective. And, oh, by the way, let's not forget the first 56 minutes of that Monday night game when the Tampa Bay offense was slogging through the mud against a pretty good, still, New Orleans defense. Now they have to face arguably the best defense in the National Football League in the San Francisco 49ers. I'm not sure the Tampa Bay Buccaneers even scored double digits on Sunday. And... I am not that put off by the fact that Brock Purdy is the starting quarterback now for the 49ers because how do they win with Jimmy Garoppolo? That's why I said it earlier with Kenny Pickett. Jimmy Garoppolo game is just 215 passing yards, one to two touchdown passes, no picks. Hand the ball off to Christian McCaffrey. I even thought the rookie out of Georgia Tech ran well when he got the ball, Jordan Mason, last week. Manage the game if you're Brock Purdy. Trust that defense to do what I was saying earlier and keep the Bucks, perhaps even to single digits. And I think the 49ers win this game, and I could see them winning by double digits. As I said, bad situational spot, in my opinion, for Tampa with the short week cross-country travel off the emotional win against the New Orleans Saints. Uh, and Brock Purdy, I thought, held his own last week, much to our chagrin as Dolphins backers. Two and a half, three quarters, he stood in there, and that's coming right in, in the line of duty in the game. Now they've had a whole week to kind of install a game plan around what he does well. Uh, there's a reason Kyle Shanahan is one of the best coaches in the National Football League. 49ers, minus three and a half. Bang, bang, Niner gang for me.
1: <laughs> you convinced me. I was going to pass, but I'll, I'll join you on the Niners for three in the hook at home. All those things you mentioned. I mean, this Tampa Bay offense is just so fucking broken. They can't run the ball. You know, Tom Brady's, at this point in his career, a lot of his best plays are predicated on, you know, running the ball well, getting the ball quick in terms of throwing and play action. And they can't establish any sort of running game. I think that speaks to having a ton of new offensive linemen and several offensive line injuries They just don't have that continuity. And now you're going up against a Niners front that's arguably one of the best in the NFL. And the Niners are first in the league in points per game. They only allow 15.8 points, which, you know, this is a significantly better defense than New Orleans. We think of New Orleans being so good, but, you know, they've had some – key injuries on the defensive side of the ball. They didn't have Lattimore last week to shut down Evans, and they still somehow figured it out. The Bucks did absolutely nothing through three quarters. I don't expect them to do much again. I mean, this looks like another great under. It's absolutely fucking disgusting, 37. Pretty really tough to look to that. I'll join you on the Niners. I'll probably also look to Bucks team total under. Depending yeah, what that I is, that. I think that could be a great look. Yeah, I'm, I'm not super concerned about Purdy. I mean, I don't think there's a huge drop off between him and Jimmy G. I mean, it's the same sort of game manager, same sort of quarterback. Right. The Niners have all the weapons in the world. I mean, you could probably argue best they have collection of weapons. Shanahan's
0: yeah. been the coach.
1: Oh, absolutely. I would probably argue it's the best collection in the NFL. I mean, it's definitely close. You could probably name a couple that are close, maybe slightly better. But just in terms of top to bottom, there's really no drop off at any position. I mean, throw anyone in there, at quarterback, and they'll be able to manage this, especially with such good defense. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on the Niners.
0: Okay, let's do one more game in the late window on, uh, I guess it's not the West Coast, Colorado. But regardless, um, we have the Denver Broncos hosting the Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are I, I cannot believe some of these straight up numbers for Mahomes against the AFC West. Um I, I think it's 13 and 0 straight up on the road in the division is and uh 28 and 3 or uh, in total games against the AFC West. It's I I know it's three straight up losses against the AFC West and he hasn't lost a divisional road game. Uh, which is just bonkers. Uh how and, insane is that to
1: think about. Not a single game on the road I know the division. I don't care. There's a lot to be desired, league. but like we always talk exactly. about
0: NFL division games. Like they're gonna come up and bite you, and right. it almost never happens to the Chiefs. It's just crazy. Um and the it's thirteen consecutive, that's what it is. Thirteen consecutive games for the Chiefs that they've won as a franchise.
1: Just a to think point. how impressive that is. I mean, Tom Brady would even lose to like dog shit Miami teams. Oh, right. All the
0: time. You know, like yeah. go down there this and kill you to
1: yeah. um,
0: But having said all that, it's a nine and a half point spread. It's a total at 44. And I know uh, you're interested in the under, which I think makes sense because you have the, you know, Broncos total usually aren't going to be this high. Um, and the fact that they're playing the Chiefs allows you some wiggle room if you assume that their offensive ineptitude will continue. No reason to think that won't change for the Broncos here. But the bigger angle here for us as gamblers is we know at nine points the Chiefs lie in on the road. This is just that vintage point spread kind of dead zone that Kansas City struggles to cover in. Really anything from six to 14, let's call it, uh, the Chiefs are not a good bet in against the spread and you have the Broncos at home. Uh, we've at least seen some competitive fight with the Broncos last week, low scoring game that they probably should have won outright against the, the Ravens on the road. I'm throwing up as I say it, but I think the Broncos can hang in this and ugly it up and, you know, something like 24 17, maybe Kansas city wins, but I think if you're going to play this point spread, you got to take Broncos country.
1: Oh, Mr. Unlimited. (laughs) Uh, I fucking, I I hate it so much. that I I hate it. I fucking hate it so much that I absolutely love it. (laughs) I'm with you. This is definitely the only side to look. How, you know, just anemic that Broncos offense is. This is still a ton of points. You mentioned Mahomes' struggles. I saw that as a favorite above seven points. He's 7-0 and straight up. They always win these games. It's not of a question if they're going to win. They're absolutely going to win this game. But he's 1-6 against the spread. Mm. I mean, this is just a classic game that they don't cover. These are these, you know, December games that they just want to be in and out. They don't want to show too much against... Right feeder teams that they know they're going to beat. They know they're way better than this dog shit Broncos team. That's not a question.
0: So they but don't expend more energy than they need to. Exactly. Especially this late in the season.
1: Right. With the playoffs coming up. You gotta also think that Reed wants to keep some of those some of those, you know, great plays that he has designed, keep those a little close. Right. Keep those for more important
0: vanilla it uh vanilla it up and get in and get out.
1: Exactly. Just a game you aren't gonna lose, but you know, you get in, you get out. There's also the the Denver home field is always something to mention. The altitude is definitely something, you know, Denver practices in it. These teams only visit once a year. That's certainly something to be factored in. Mahomes just as these bigger favorites, they don't seem to cover these numbers. Doesn't really matter who they're playing. Yeah, I'm with you. I really like the under, so this is obviously a correlated play. got to go Broncos. Nine and a half. Do we think this might tick up to ten? Come, come you kick. You
0: know, come kick, maybe there's only three games in the late window. This one, Carolina-Seattle and Tampa-San Fran. So, certainly could see some more action right before kickoff. I could see that.
1: Yeah, that's kind of what I'm waiting to see. I don't know. It's just tough. It's a tough number. People aren't gonna tease this from six to three and a half. Although I am seeing nine on drafting, so maybe you'll get a lot of teasers down to three Chiefs by a field goal. That feels, you know right. that's easy, but three and a half would be sketched out. I, I would not be teasing this. I'm just thinking, yeah, you know, well, a lot of action coming on the Chiefs. I don't know how you could back the Chiefs at almost ten. So I don't I don't know if we'll get Broncos
0: at ten. Okay, let's go to Sunday Night Football, where we have a flexed-in game between the Miami Dolphins and the L.A. Chargers at SoFi. Total of 52 and a half. Dolphins laying three on the road, but it is worth noting Miami was just in San Francisco last week. Stayed out west and will now take on the L.A. Chargers. Uh, at first, I was like, huh, Dolphins laying three on the road? Man, I don't know about that. They were just catching four on the road against San Fran. But Alex, the more I think about it, the Chargers are just bad. I mean, it, it, it's time to face reality with them. Everybody, I feel like, blows the Chargers roster, and and we hear about how much talent they have, and then they don't even make the playoffs every year. It feels like They're I don't coaching, think they.
1: Staley, Staley always gets. I don't so think they made the
0: playoffs in Justin Herbert's career, and albeit this is just his third season, but you saw them lose to that same Raider team that allowed Baker Mayfield to come back from 16 to three down tonight. So the Raiders, excuse me, not the Raiders, the chargers, while they're still math, very much mathematically alive in the playoff hunt, start starting to feel like a, uh, you know, the season's kind of on life support here. Whereas the dolphins, you'd think this is a nice bounce back spot for them after they really just didn't have it last week against San Francisco. So I lean to the Miami. I know you like the Dolphins here. Yeah,
1: I grabbed the three. I do like it. I don't trust this Raiders team at all. A ton of injuries. They're always one of the more injured teams in the NFL. It's just it's insane when you see it year to year. Just the injury luck is always against them. I saw Derwin James did not practice today. Mike Williams was a full practice with an ankle injury, but we did see him go a couple weeks after injuring the ankle, and then he was he was immediately out. I think on his first reception, he was back out. I think this is a great bounce-back spot for Miami. And then the Chargers coming back from Las Vegas, maybe a little, little Las Vegas flu angle.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh. <laughs> I did see a trend. I forget the exact numbers, but teams that after they play the Raiders for whatever reason, just not, not good the following week against the spread. I just, I like Miami. I like this team. I like them. A lot. I thought they looked pretty good against the Niners last week. And then things unraveled. That was, that was a pretty tough one not to get the the plus four there against the third string quarterback. I think they'll, they'll bounce back well. I mean, this Chargers defense is certainly not the Niners. I think, too, it can be a lot more comfortable than he looked last week. And I mentioned the, the Derwin James not practicing today on a Thursday with a quadricep injury. It's certainly something to make note of. I mean, he's their, their best player in the secondary, arguably best on the defense, so that would be a, a huge loss if he doesn't go, especially against his – Miami passing attack that just doesn't stop.
0: Let's wrap things up in the desert where we have Monday night football between the New England Patriots and the Arizona Cardinals. New England laying the deuce on the road, total of 43 in the hook. We have both teams with extra time to prepare New England out of the mini bye, uh having played Thursday night against the Buffalo Bills, uh, Arizona off of a regular bye. Uh But Alex, for me, there's, there's, I think two big angles here that point me to the road chalk in New England. First, it's a massive coaching mismatch. I mean, there's always you, we think there's always coaching mismatches when Patriots games are involved and you're talking about Belichick, but Cliff Kingsbury's seat gets warmer every week and you have to wonder if he even has the locker room uh and I think Belichick should be able to vastly outcoach him when it comes to the defensive-minded Belichick against the offensive-minded Kingsbury. And gosh, you have Kyler calling out the coach saying they're fucked schematically. So um, I think that it's definitely a coaching mismatch for New England, given the state of affairs for Kingsbury and the Cardinals. And then I also think motivationally this is huge. The Patriots are 6-6. Six and six. I don't think they're any good. They're probably not a playoff team, but the standings say they're very much still in it. Basically, it feels like a must-win here for New England when it comes to its playoff hopes. And on the flip side, motivationally for Arizona, I wonder if the Cardinals didn't over that bye week. Maybe it was a bad thing, right? Because there's been so much negative press about Kyler Murray, Patrick Peterson calling him out, uh, Larry Fitzgerald. There was a report that he liked Colt McCoy a lot. And when Kyler came back, he was just fed up with him and he he retired early in part because he didn't like Kyler. So there's all this bad stuff about... Kyler Murray that's out there, and I think that's been going on all season, going back to the Call of Duty clause and the contract that he got. Uh, And so unsurprisingly, it's been a disjointed, disappointing season for the Arizona Cardinals, and it feels like that this could be a team that, as I say, during that bye week with all that negative press, perhaps even more so now is tapped out. All sorts of leadership concerns with the Cardinals, with both Kingsbury and Murray. Uh, I, I think this is one where the Patriot way is, is kind of good enough to win ugly, low scoring, not that entertaining. Call it Patriots twenty-three, Arizona fourteen. Pats go to seven and six, and they're still in the playoff hunt. I only know that I gotta give up two points to back New England. I'll do it. Patriots minus the deuce.
1: I'm completely with you. This this feels short. The Line feels too low. We love fading Cliff down the stretch. He's definitely a good coach to back early in the season for whatever reason. I saw a very interesting trend. Weeks one through seven, he's 18-9-1 straight up, 20-8 and eight against the spread. And then week eight and on, they're 10-24 straight up, 12-20-2 against the spread. This dates back. That's his pro records, but this dates back to college. At Texas Tech, when you had Patrick Mahomes, they would always get off the hot starts and then just fade down at the end of the season. For whatever reason, I mean, there's something to it. This is a huge sample size. This is years of data going back to his collegiate days coaching. For whatever reason, Cliff Kingsbury teams just absolutely melt when it matters most towards the end of the season. I don't know what it is, but... You couldn't have a bigger coaching mismatch than Belichick versus Cliff in December. I I absolutely love this. I think Patriots are a really good look here, especially at this short of a number. You're telling me they just have to basically win the game. I mean, it's, pre- it's not going to fall one to win the game. Yeah, I'm all, I'm completely with you here.
0: Good to end on a consensus play. On the hoodie and company, the Patriots minus two. He's Alex Uplinger at Alex underscore up seven. I'm Greg Frank at Undercover Greg on gambling Twitter. Follow the podcast at Full underscore Slate underscore Pod. Get the rest of my sports t- sports takes at G underscore Frank six. Christmas movie takes, Christmas Carol takes, all that over the next Ooh, few weeks.
1: Up. this is the best. Best time of the year. What, what kind of takes can you expect?
0: It's the most wonderful this? time of the year. So favorite Don't,
1: Christmas movie? Uh,
0: I am gonna go with George C. Scott, 1984. I think it is the Christmas Carol. I think he plays the best Ebenezer Scrooge. So wow.
1: going back guy. about
0: 40 years there. Yeah, Love it. But I, I really like all the classics. I think yeah, Alone, I watch them obviously. Can't be understated how good that is. A Christmas story, I love. I will say, if I Christmas had to, vacation,
1: kind of, Chevy Chase, just
0: absolutely. Okay,
1: absolute If track. I had to it's give you heavy. one
0: that I think is a little overrated,
1: I'm gonna go yeah, with I'll L. See. L. Okay,
0: right I
1: overrated. I kind of tend to agree. I like it. It's
0: honestly, L. Alex. I think for me, what it is there is I liked it when I was younger. But then I saw the rest of Will Ferrell's stuff, and I was like, he's way better in so many other things.
1: Yeah, way, way funnier. It's it's kind of just it, – it's definitely childish, and people really hype it up. I could definitely go a full December without watching would and I wouldn't, I wouldn't think twice.
0: So some agreement there as well. All right, Alex, good to catch up with you, my man, and uh, we'll do it again next week.
1: Yeah, buddy. Talk to you later.
0: This has been Full Slate, a Blue Iron Gambling Podcast. Everyone enjoy NFL Week 14. Enjoy the Heisman Ceremony, Army, Navy, whatever floats your boat for the weekend. And, of course, please play responsibly.